And in fact, they, were, they had so much business in Rome, they sought out and received uh, from Rome an official cardinal protector. A cardinal protector is just a name for a, a cardinal who's designated to present the, you know, whatever cases that a, a particular body or church presents to the Roman Curia in the 1540s, and, uh, 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 yeah, again, to handle their business for them, basically, to be an inter, uh, uh, interlocutor in them and the, and the curial bureaucracy. And um, they were given one, a guy named Marcello Servini, a cardinal in the 1540s and 1550s, who apparently took a really keen interest in uh, the Maronites, and especially the uh, study of Maronite history. And the reason why is very simple. Um, both he and a lot of people in Rome who were intellectually inclined began to see the history of the Eastern churches as a source for controversies with Protestants. They wanted to prove the antiquity of Roman claims to authority by appealing to the history of these Eastern churches. And of course, the Maronites were more than happy to oblige. They believed that already. Again, this goes back to the Crusades at least, right? They, they thought they'd never broken communion with Rome. And at the same time, you have the patriarch of the Maronites, and all of them basically do this. They encourage Maronites to go study Latin theology in Rome. So there is this give and take here, even though they're both coming at this with their own, you know, their own uh, interest at hand. And um, even before the Council of Trent, the Council of Trent meets uh, in 1545, between 1545 and 1563, you have this, this uh, relationship developing even before Trent wraps up, the Holy See begins to pressure the Maronite patriarchs um, to adopt the Roman form of the sacraments. This will be a consistent theme until the 1730s, to officially adopt certain forms of the Roman uh, liturgical administration of these sacraments. Um, and particularly by, uh, by the later 16th century, you have one uh, series of patriarchs from the, I'm going to butcher this name, the Al-Reizi family. I don't know if that's the right pronunciation. Al-Reizi, R-E-E-Z-E-E. -E -E. Again, uh, it's all white supremacy. <laughs> uh, sorry, that's a bad joke, but whatever. Um, and uh, these patriarchs, beginning with, in the 1570s with Michael Al-Reizi, Hope that's hope that's right. Um, they will begin to. He comes patriarch, sends to Rome for confirmation. Gregory the Thirteenth, the Pope at the time, responds with a list of demands for the Maronites, and so they send papal embassies to Mount Lebanon, uh, papal legates in 1580, 1596, 1598, and they convince the Maronite patriarch to hold synods on the, these requests. And the first of these didn't seem to do a whole lot. Um, however, in the intervening in 1580, I mean. But in 1584, um, Gregory XIII did something very important for the future. He opened a college for Maronite students in Rome, which I'm, I, think, I assume still exists. I don't know if it was folded into a more general one for Eastern, Eastern Rite Catholics. I don't know. Um, I'll find it out next time. Whatever. Um, and, and, the, and this basically established a mechanism for Maronites who wanted to study there from the Middle East, which, of course, on the one hand, they get, that, they get the benefit of Western learning, you know, um, we'll see in a moment other Eastern Christians came wanting to use uh, Rome's printing presses. So you get that, but also, of course, this is a chance for Rome to influence these Maronite students uh, in terms of Latin customs and things like this. And so by the, by the time you get the next papal delegation going to Lebanon, them holding a synod there, which they do in 1596, they bring with them 200 copies of a Latinized missal. And by Latinized, I don't mean they imposed the Latin language on them. They didn't. Uh, certain prayers are, are sort of in there that are similar to, or basically translations of Latin, ones from the Latin Missal, 
and a few other things. There are some other insistences that I don't think go over well at the time or you don't get approved by this. Uh, and so, uh, and this missile was imposed by this synod in Lebanon in 1596, which is the one more or less they used to the late 20th century, if I'm not mistaken, or at least versions of it. Even though this synod, by the way, was never officially approved by Rome and apparently didn't do a whole lot in terms of trying to impose it on Maronite Christians. Uh, the synod they held, they held another one in 1598, which largely repeated these prescriptions but also did not send its acts to Rome for confirmation. Why do I mention all that, by the way? Because, again, they're supposed to be doing that. So we're not sure, okay, how official, not how official it was, but, again, how much is this actually being put into practice? And the answer is probably not universally. Uh, Maronites don't have nearly as, Maronite Patriarch doesn't have as nearly kind of control over his flock that the Bishop of Rome does. Um, one thing they do in the early 17th, by the early 17th century, however, the Mennonite Patriarch does manage to impose the Gregorian calendar, uh, at least in Lebanon. There are, but not there are actually Maronites on the island of Cyprus. The, they reject that there, but they do impose the modern, you know, Western calendar there as well. So you do have the beginnings of this by the end of the 16th century, and this is an imposition, right? Although it's done with the with the the, uh, the support of these Mar Maronite patriarchs, who again they're getting what they want out of this. They want their authority buttressed, uh, and so you do have some of this. I wouldn't overdo it, not too much yet. It's not total, but you have this thing, again, these list of demands really go back to the Middle Ages, but they're there. Uh, and so you have this process gaining a pace as they, the Maronites especially become more and more tied into Rome as a sort of system of ecclesial government. 